before you this morning as your Holy Spirit touches on our lives. May you do your work in us and may we put ourselves under that work and under the authority of your word. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, we've been uh, going through the book of Proverbs and um, I love the book of Proverbs because it's so practical. Um, It's not so comfortable, but it's really practical. And so we're going to look at a topic which is raised in the next theme that comes up and that's how do we take offence or do we take offence at things that happen to us when people say things? What's our response? Very close to home, to all of us, I'm sure. And so let's look at, we're going to look at various verses, but I'm going to be reading uh, one to start with, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16, and then we'll flick over to these, the, the New Testament context and principle around that, which is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So let's turn to Proverbs 12, 16. So in the ESV, it says this, the vexation, the crossness, the angriness, the vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. We'll look at a few different versions of that as we go through. Let's just turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Here's a spiritual parameter around how to deal with this issue. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to read that again. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed, shaped to this world, but be transformed, changed completely by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, in our New Zealand society, which is egocentric, Very generous too, as we saw in this past week with all the donations that have come in to Christchurch. But also our very PC-driven society. People take offence at anything and everything. Yeah? If you're a neighbour, you'll know. You know, it's a sign of a too comfortable life. It's a sign of a too comfortable life in New Zealand. In countries where people are struggling for their everyday existences, no one worries about is the branch hanging over the fence. Really. They cut the branch and use it for firewood. But here, you have to get a council member to come and say to you, please could you cut your branches because your neighbours laid a complaint. How do I respond to that, by the way? Chainsaw. And I hope it's for the branch. 
not for the neighbour. So someone builds a house slightly with a slightly different shape next to you and you write to the paper and complain about it. Comfortable society. Spelling of Wanganui, Whanganui. W-H or not the H in it. People get really hit up about it. Comfortable society. How do we respond to these things when they come our way? If we get sucked into it. Just, I just want to sort out something. Sorry, Dave. Are you sleeping? I've just started preaching, bro. I'm sorry, but you know, if your sermons were a bit more interesting and not the same blah Sunday after Sunday, I'd stay away. <laughs> this was a setup, by the way. <laughs> He's my good bro. In case anyone was shocked. Are you awake now? The next time I come down, it won't be the same friend. Anyway, I'll get distracted. What about you? Do you easily take offence? I could have taken offence at that and we could have had a... Yeah? We wouldn't. Dave would lose. <laughs> but, but how do we take personal criticism? How do we take personal criticism? This is a really real topic to us. Yeah? You either take it A, graciously... It's okay, I can take these things. I'm a grown-up. Or, B, you get easily offended. And you take it personally when someone says something. You see, there are going to be differing and disparaging views coming your way. And if you haven't seen that yet on social media, you haven't been on social media. How do we respond on social media specifically to disparaging or differing views? Do you just have your natural reaction? We call it natural. It's, I couldn't help it. It was a natural reaction. I just had to climb in. Because that's our kind of default setting. Do you have your little instant rant and start your personal crusade? And I know that's not PC. Or do you have a measured response? Or maybe no response at all? And the recent events which challenged our Christian worldview showed up a lot of this coming up on social media. Some people really had a rant and rave and you could sense the vitriol dripping off the words and others had to state the point and then get off. But what's your reaction when someone offends? When someone criticizes for something that you know is true, do you have the same response? That's an interesting second question. Well, Proverbs speaks quite a lot in quite a few places on this very real topic of taking offence. So, let's look at this. So, when someone offends me, there's two ways to respond. There's firstly the man-shaped response. Conforming to this world, says Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Being shaped to respond in the way the world responds. And so, I have that little temper tantrum. Proverbs 12.16 says, A fool in NLT, the same verse we looked at in the ESV, A fool is quick-tempered, is quick-tempered, 
but a wise person stays calm when insulted. So there's a reaction that Proverbs is speaking about. A fool is quick-tempered. You see, when we get angry, when we get insulted, or when people say something we don't like, the Bible describes this term that it uses for those who are not Christ-centered in their response. There are those who are wise and the fool. So don't take this personally being called a fool, but take it to heart. The Bible says, and it doesn't mince words, only a fool is reactive. Only a fool is quick-tempered. But there's more to that. It's the speed of that gut reaction, because the speed of that gut reaction shows there's a lack of control. And so you're reactive, and there's a lashing out at words. Bible carries on. The vexation of a fool is known at once. So whether the person that has made the offence towards you, you are responding to that person, they see your instant anger towards them, or online, they read your instant anger and all your Facebook contacts read about your instant anger, it's visible for all to see. The Bible says so. But it's evidence, you see, of what's happening inside of one. It shows you and I, when we respond in this way, that there's a lack of personal discipline in us. It shows us that we haven't got control of our tongue or via our fingers. It shows us that there's a me-centeredness in us. Pride is there. It's very quickly there. It shows us that when someone says something wrong against me or that inflames me, that I've got an unforgiving heart. It shows me that I'm out of touch with God's grace to me. And so when I respond with a temper, those things are highlighted. But unfortunately it doesn't stop there. We have the little say, grumble, and then if only it stopped there. But it doesn't. It becomes a tell-all. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says this, Whoever covers an offence seeks love. Whoever covers an offence seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Tell me, when these things happen, do you keep it to yourself or do I keep it to myself or do I have to go tell someone else? Why am I on Facebook doing it anyway? Because I want others to know that I've been offended. And so, once I'm finished on Facebook, I pick up a phone and I'm on the line to my friends. Do you know what this person just told me? Man, I was really cross. And there it goes. Tell all. And what's the result of that? Proverbs says, 17.9, we've just read it, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. How often than not, has a disagreement or words among close friends that hasn't been resolved, hasn't been worked out, how often has that not led to split up of good friendships? Yeah? How often has that not spread out even more to a loss of a friendship for a lifetime because you couldn't work out a disagreement? How often has that not led to 
being unfriended on Facebook, the nearly worst thing that could happen. But sadly, how often has that not led to children not being allowed to play with your friend's children anymore because you disagree? Ah, it's this sin. How often has it not led to those uneasy moments in the shopping aisle when you come past that friend of yours? How often than not have people left the church because they couldn't resolve these things? Christians, how often the knot has this blown, been blown out of all proportion? Do you see the nature of sin? Sin undealt with, we said it last week, grows like a cancer in us. And it has wider ripple effects and bigger ripple effects. It will never get better unless it's dealt with. There it is. So a man-shaped response when people offend is to have a temper... And to tell all. What does God call us to? He calls us to a God-shaped response. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be shaped by the responses of this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The word transformed means to be made completely new. Not to be put into a different shape. That's still conformed but to be made into a completely new shape, a whole new nature. Be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind, by how you think, by how your heart responds. And so what is this to look like? Well, let's get back to our original verse, Proverbs 12. 2. A fool is quick-tempered, but, here it is, a wise person stays calm when insulted. Isn't that the hardest thing to do? But God calls us to it. And through His Spirit, He can actually make that happen. A miracle can happen in my life. God can do it. He can help us to stay calm. What does calm mean? To stay in control. Proverbs 17.9 We've looked at this verse as well. He helps us to cover offences because we want to seek love. Whoever covers an offence seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Are you willing to cover an offence because you seek love with that person? What does cover an offence mean? Cover with what? To cover up so that you don't see it. Yes, but to cover it with the love of Jesus Christ shown to you. Cover it. Don't look at it. Put it behind you. Christ has paid. Put it behind you. Why should you hold on to these things? Cover it. Because when your eyes see it, when your mind is reminded of it, what's going to happen? You get angry again. Cover it. Forgive it. Put it behind you. Third point which comes from that is not just be calm and cover that offence, but overlook. Overlook it. Because says scripture, Proverbs 19.11, by overlooking it you will earn respect. Interesting. Proverbs 19.11 says in the NLT, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking 
wrongs. Earn respect in whose eyes? Is God going to respect you more? No, you either obey Him or disobey Him. But in the eyes of those around you, your family, your children who've seen you blowing your top, your Facebook contacts who are wondering if they should rather not have your mail directed there anymore, because maybe their family members are seeing your Facebook posts on their posts. You earn respect. When you can show control, when the other person that, you've, that has offended you would, would have lost their rag and they see you not losing your rag, that earns respect. And maybe they learn from that. You see, it's such a sensible word here. Sensible people control their temper they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. If only we would do that faster. And then the next question that comes up in a God-shaped response, being transformed in the way I think is, do I answer or don't I answer in this response? Because sometimes an answer is necessary. But sometimes it's best not to answer an offensive statement or a point of view, even on the internet. You don't have to respond to everything. You are not the great crusader on Facebook trying to right all wrongs. Who gave you that badge? Sometimes it's best just to let it go, to cover that offence, to overlook it. You see, how did Jesus respond? He didn't have Facebook and internet, praise the Lord. But he had people who wanted to crucify him and who did. How did Jesus respond to those who crucified him? There wasn't a bigger insult put into practice. How did he respond? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There's our example. But sometimes, as Jesus showed us too, you need to give an answer where wrong has been committed. You need to challenge wrong thinking. You see, Jesus showed us this in his conversation with Pilate. John chapter 18, verse 33 to 38. If you just turn there quickly, we'll look at that. John chapter 33, uh, 18, verses 33 to 38. I'll just quickly read through here. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus gives him an answer here. Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it about, to you about me? So he's already challenging his thinking. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered. Again, he's teaching him. My kingdom is not of this world. If, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I, might, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate stumps him down. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And he didn't want an answer. You see, Jesus teaches. 
Sometimes we must give an answer when we want to challenge wrong thinking. Yes, even on the internet. Yes, even in the newspapers. We had that recently when this whole debate came up about Muslims and Christians all worshipping the same God. We can't let that go. We have to state that that is an incorrect way of thinking. And so various people did that in some not so good ways, but in some really good ways on the internet. Some have made public statements about that. And we need to do that. It doesn't help just losing our thread about it. We've got to do something. So then how should we answer? Proverbs 15 verses 1 to 2 says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Now on the internet, that means not using capital letters. It means not putting three exclamation marks behind everything you say. Or using angry emoticons, you know, little angry faces and things. It's not using those. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Foolishness. So how are we to respond? Well, Scripture says we're to have a gentle response. And by the way, a gentle response doesn't mean a watery or a wimpy response. It means a gentle response. Not going at the person, but at what is being talked about. In a gentle way. How do you do that? Well, keep it concise. The more verbose we become, the more we write, the more the mistakes come in and the more the emotions come out. Yeah? Been there, done that. Keep it concise. Keep it well thought out. Read it over a few times before you send it out on the net. Before you respond to someone who's offended you, think about it and then go and see them and speak to them. Don't just respond. Think it through. A well thought out out answer, which speaks to the point and not the person. And then, use evidence-based answers in context of the whole of Scripture. Don't just use loose little phrases in Scripture which are not in context. That's not allowed. Because you'll land up on wrong answers. And the last one, but most important one, is don't get subjective. In other words, leave your emotions out of it. Because as soon as you bring your emotions in, those emoticons come out, flying out, and you get worked up, and the other person gets worked up, and there we go again. So how should we answer? Scripture says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. What about enemies? Because you are going to meet some of those in life. What about those situations where someone really takes a dislike to you and they gun for you? Anyone had that experience online? How do we react? Maybe it's in an ex-relationship with an ex-partner or with kids that are not speaking to you. In family squabbles. Maybe it's with colleagues at work. You've said something and it's really offended them. And now they're going for you. It could even be your boss. 
What about those media enemies? You wrote something to the paper and someone took great exception to it and now they've got all their friends together and they're all writing in response. How do we respond? Proverbs chapter 25 verses 21 to 22 tells us this. Proverbs 25 verse 21 to 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. I can hear you already starting to gloat. Don't. We'll come to that bit. Alright? If your enemy is hungry, yes, even in the paper, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. Ah, a kind word. State your case, but a kind word. Show extravagant love. When people don't want to speak to you anymore, when, you're, when that enemy wants to go at you, show them extravagant love. The opposite of what they're expecting. Corrie ten Boom did this with great success in prison. She was a lady who had been captured by the Germans and they had put her in a prison of war camp and they were harsh conditions. And Corrie ten Boom and her sister Betty, they prayed for this one soldier who kept, who kept beating her sister. He had taken a dislike to her sister and he kept beating the sister every day. Every day he would beat her. And one day he couldn't take it in and he said, why don't you ever say something to me? And she said, we do. We pray to God for you every day. And I pray to you while you're beating me and it hurts, but I pray. I pray for you, but I won't retort to you. I pray for you. Don't add fuel to the fire, you see. Now, what about this heaping coals? By this you will heap burning coals on his head. I'm sure you're thinking, "Uh uh-huh. So, my enemy, if I respond in this way to you, then you're going to get judged, bro. No, that's not what it means. You see, in the cultural context, to, to pour burning coals on someone, they didn't have electricity like us, they didn't have nice fire starters, so if your neighbor ran out of, their fire went dead, they would come to you and say, could you give me some coals, please? And then you would, in a little holder give them a few burning embers which they could then take carefully to their fireplace and blow into life and get their fire going, alright? And so many times when you had hot stuff in front of you, you couldn't just walk like this. You had to put it somewhere where it doesn't burn you as you're walking and so they would put it on a pot on their head. They would put a thing over there. It wouldn't work so well with me. But they would put a padding and then they'd carry it up here so that the heat went up. Okay? That's part of it. But there's more to it. The Lord says, if you help this person who is expecting worse from you, you will be giving, you'll be heaping burning coals on their head. In other words, you will be giving extravagantly because the Lord will bless in that as well. You're not just going to give them two coals, you'll be giving them a whole heap of coals all over them. Not to burn them, but to bless them. You see what he's saying? You will heap burning coals on their head. You see, it's not clever revenge, but it's God saying, bless your enemy. Bless him. And that will speak to them. You see, Jesus quoted this proverb of feeding, the hung, feeding those who are your enemy and to, and to give them water if they're thirsty. He quoted 
this proverb in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 to 45. It wasn't a new proverb he had made up. He was quoting the Old Testament. And he was teaching about being willing to, and here's a further aspect of it, trust God's justice in the whole matter. You see, we want justice when? Now. But God says, do what's right first. Leave the judging to me. It's my job. Look in your job description, says God. Judging isn't in your job description. It's in mine. I am the judge. I will judge and do what's right for the situation. You just do what's right before me. You see what God says? And so when it comes to this matter about people saying stuff and we take offense, do what's right in the situation. Leave the justice to God. That's what it comes down to. Why must we do this? Romans 12.21 says, so that you are not overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why? Because it's all about grace. And we're back to that word. It's all about God's grace shown to me when I was His enemy. When you weren't walking as a child of God, Romans 5, 8 says, God showed His love for you and I in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah? When people offend me, show God's grace because He showed you His grace when you were His enemy. You see, while I was still offensive to God in my sin, while I was still offending Him through my sinning, God saved me. He didn't wait for me to become good first. That would never have happened. While I was still sinning, Christ showed me love by dying for me and then bringing me to Him. Well, how can I be offended so quickly now? You see, we forget too quickly what God has done for us. And so therefore we need to ask Him to allow His mercy to me to overflow in my treatment of those who do wrong to me in speech and in deed. Lord, may Your mercy to me flow through me to them. Lord, save me from quick-temperedness. Lord, save me from grandstanding. Lord, save me and help me to stay calm. And not to have a gut reaction. Lord, help me to cover the offences of others. Help me to give a soft answer, both in content and in volume, to others. And when you do, they will take note. And they will see the love of Jesus Christ coming through your life. Your children will see it. Because they are the ones that sometimes bear the brunt of things. Your husband, your wife the one you love, they'll see it because they're the ones that know us so well and they're the ones that sometimes bear the brunt of our disgruntledness very quickly. Show God's mercy to them. Amy Carmichael summarizes it and I'm ending with this. This is her quote. If I take offense easily... If I am content to continue in cold unfriendliness, 
though friendship be possible, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Man, that sums it up. I'll repeat that. Think of your relationship with someone that you are disgruntled with. If I take offense easily, if I am content to continue in cold unfriendliness, I'm happy to just live like that. Though friendship be possible, then I know nothing of Calvary's love. And so the message of Proverbs this morning is take control of offense before offense takes control of you. Be transformed in your thinking, not conformed to the thinking of the world and the media world and the internet world around you. Lord, help us in our weakness. Let's pray. Lord, we're so quick to respond sometimes because our gut reaction is all about me and myself and I. And we quickly get on our high horses. But Lord, help us to think of that lowly position you put yourself in when you were willing to die on my behalf, when I didn't even love you at that stage. Thank you for your great mercy and grace shown to me. And Lord, in response to that, and in grateful hearts, may we respond with mercy and grace to those who offend us. Lord, put a guard on our fingers. Put a guard on our minds. Put a guard on our tongues. So that we would take captive every thought for Jesus Christ before that thought converts to media and to paper and to response. May we take it captive for Jesus Christ and respond in a way that shows the love of Jesus Christ in us. Lord, our cry to you is help us. We are weak. You are strong. In our weakness, you are almighty. Help us, Lord, so that the world may know that there is a different way of responding because you are so different. You are the living God, the one who forgives and changes for eternity. Amen.